0: You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megidoradio.com. That's megidoradio.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Wednesday, the 24th of August, 2022 that's right we're gonna do another show again today um the reason is because this is going to be the last show for quite a while this will be i said do one more before the month of september um from next month on i'm going to be doing i'm going to be auditing a, a class in uh, the college i just got gra- finished in in which is our denominational um seminary, uh, Bible college, anyway. So going to be doing Hebrew for the month and I'm really not going to have the energy for programs and other things like that. So the programs really have to be the thing that go and because um, I'm still going to be I'll still be preaching at the weekend and things like that. So um yeah. Looking forward to that uh be it's a um, good opportunity to go back over a lot of Hebrew uh, that I did during the the college term and I find I don't know if you've ever, any of you listening, you've ever done Greek or Hebrew, but it's uh, usually the, the the vocab goes a lot in it goes in a lot more easily. the the second or third time around, and uh, looking forward to getting back into that. Anyway, so the last program we're gonna do is for however long it is. It could look if if I don't know if a call is gonna come in or whatever like that. Um, uh, the program might not return. For, for quite some time. Please just, if you want to know about what's going on, radio at gmail.com. You can email me at, or you can find me on Facebook, Paul Flynn, Migitto, or I think that's the tagline, or something else like that. And I think people have other email addresses that I have still. And, um, yeah, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on in terms of will the program come back at the end of September? Um, there's a chance it won't, but if it does, uh the earliest it'll come back is September. And uh as I said before, I don't know when it was, was it like I think it was in April? If and when if uh a call comes in from a congregation and uh from once that happens, because I'm if if this is the first time you've ever listened to the program, I'm I'm a licensed preacher um, within the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Ireland, and I'm just waiting on a call basically to a congregation to be a minister, and if a call comes in for me to be a minister, as soon as it happens, the the program will be on hiatus for quite some time, I don't know how long, um, I'm going to just pray about when it will come back and what guise it will come back in, or whatever the case may be, I'm sure I'll do some things media related but um for the first six months to a year at least roughly um my complete another my complete focus will be on the work and uh, then seeing what other things beyond the local congregation can be done um but at the beginning just to just to get used to the work and everything else um so if you keep me in your prayers in that so The last program we're going to be doing is on the Westminster Large Catechism. A couple of questions on the Westminster Large Catechism. And I figured it would be better to to finish on this note, (laughs) to have this as the last program on for a while, because, um, you know, sometimes you cover topics with regards to um, Joel Osteen and doing... Episodes like that, there's, you know, I believe that there's definitely a place for that, for two reasons. One is so that the person who's following the false teacher themselves, hopefully they'll stumble upon it and they'll listen to it and be saved themselves or be helped away from that person or whatever the case may be. Uh, or on the other hand, person is saved knows that Osteen or whoever covering at the time is you know, wolf in sheep's clothing, they might know that, but they just might not know how to articulate it to the person that they're coming across, perhaps at work or whatever, who they're witnessing to. And they can't quite get across what is wrong with that person. So hopefully it will help that person uh, be able to evangelize better. Uh, anybody who's going to Lakewood Church is is a mission field. And... um. Under a false gospel. Anybody goes to a synagogue of Satan. Is a mission field. Anybody who goes to a liberal church. Call yourself Protestant all you want. Um, is a mission field. Anybody who doesn't know the gospel clearly. It's good to witness to people. So we're going to be looking at that. The need that we all have. Myself and yourself included all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now we did question 149 the last time in the Westminster Larger Catechism, but we're going to go back over it because I think for the theme, it's it's a good question to start with is, is any man able to perfectly keep the commandments of God? And this is why we need a savior. This It says in question 149, no man is able either of himself or by any receipt... Um, sorry I'm gonna skip ahead oh, yeah or by any grace received in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God but doth daily break them in thought word and deed and look even if we sinned just the once this doesn't happen we 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 sin as naturally as we breathe. We hunger for rebellion as as much as we hunger for bread or thirst for water. It, it comes completely naturally to us. Don't believe me. Look at a child who has not been disciplined and see where they will go. actually, if you spoil a child and give them everything they want and everything, you know, you think, you think you're think you blessing them, but give them everything they want, well, you're really satisfying, well, you're not satisfying them at all, but giving them everything their carnal heart desires. And you, you've taught them that the world owes them something, that this is what they should expect. And don't be surprised if that child, when they grow up, ends up, well, in prison. Why is that? Because we're all sinners, every single last one of us. And often, the best thing that we can learn at a young age or whatever, is to go without. To realize the blessings that we have. It's why the more we have, the more unthankful we often are. And we break the law. Of God in thought, word, and deed. No, but even if we did sin just the one time, it is against the, the one of infinite value, the God of heaven and earth. And because of that, you see, if you if you do something wrong against a regular citizen in the country, it's bad, obviously. But if you fight against The king, the ruler of the nation, to supplant him. That's what sin is, to supplant him. You're a traitor. And what is the penalty, at least in history at least, for treason? The death penalty. Now, our sin is so egregious, even if it was just one time is against the God of heaven and earth. And that's what is so serious about sin. And that's why it is for all eternity. There is no way of paying back the sin debt that is owed by us in our rebellion. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, regardless of whether you've grown up in a Christian home or not. See, it's far more likely and far more of a temptation to become self righteous if you grew up in a Christian home. I mean, a home where grace is talked about, hell is talked about, um, you know, you, you say, well, you just trust in Jesus. And you can almost get a sense of annoyance with the world out there, and and you think, you almost start to think you're better than everybody. But none of us are. We are mere spiritual beggars. In recipient in who have received something we do not deserve. All have sinned, fall short of the glo- glory of God. All have rebelled against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the One of infinite value. All deserve hell. Deserve hell, me included. You deserve hell because of. This breaking of the law, that's what we deserve. It is, if it's because of our works, our supposed righteousnesses, then it will bring on the wrath of God, the displeasure of God. He cannot take pleasure in you apart from Christ. Question 150 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous in themselves and in the sight of God? So it says in the answer here, all transgressions of the law of God are not equally heinous. But some sins in themselves and by reason of several ag- 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 aggravations. Apologies, i a bit of a head cold today, so I'm not pronouncing things very well today. Are some are more heinous in the sight of God than others. And this makes sense, doesn't it? It should, at least. Some sins are worse than others. The person who sits under the gospel for years and years, but rejects it, the mercy of God, the offer of grace by God, is heaping upon themselves more and more of God's wrath as he tramples upon the blood of Christ, especially if you were within uh, the visible church, claiming to be, but never trusting in him. Hell is far worse for that individual. And because of that, by reason of several aggravations. And one of the examples I can give you is hearing the gospel over and over and over again. That's why the, the judgment is so severe on, on those who covenant break. Those who have had the blessings of hearing the truth having the law, having the gospel, and rejecting it. And if that's you, if that's been your past, do not play with fire, my friend. Do not play with fire. Several abrogations it makes it worse, and it—it it is hell, and the wrath of God has just become that much more fearful. You see, God is a consuming fire. He is a consuming fire. Question hundred and fifty one. What well, is a consuming fire for anybody outside of Christ? Question hundred and fifty one. What are those aggravations that make some sins more heinous than others? Answer. Sins receive their aggregations, number one, from the persons offending. If they be of riper age greater experience or grace eminent for profession gifts place office guides to others and whose example is likely to be followed by others now if you're wondering as we go through this where are where's the bible verses for this well there are bible verses with this so I'm not going to go through them all because we, we couldn't really get through it all in 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 uh, in time but if you Google this, you don't even have to buy a copy of the Westminster of Catechism. Um, Westminster of Catechism, and you can, we're down to question 151 right now, you can get them on a lot of websites and things like that. However, a copy of the Westminster of Catechism, I bought bought one for $189 for my children a few weeks ago. So they're not expensive. Uh, Banner, I think it's Banner of Truth do a paperback copy of it. You can also get a shorter catechism and paperback copy, a nice little small one uh, to carry around with you to read. And um, and I'm pretty sure it's just like the one in front of me here, which is published by Free Presbyterian uh, Publications. I think that's that's be, that would be the Free Presbyterians in, in Scotland. I think it's the Free Presbyterians anyway. Their their uh, edition of this. Yeah, Free Pre- Pre- Free Presbyterian Publications... This is the Scottish one, not to be not to be uh, mistaken for the ones in Ulster in Northern Ireland or the ones in North America. They're not they're not a sister denomination of them. Um, so you can buy a pretty cheap copy of this to read uh, and carry around with you. And there's there's scripture verses at the bottom of of all of these as well. I will reference a few here and there, but um, there are scripture proofs for these. But sins receive their aggregations from the person offending, and it kind of just depends on the person offending. For example, the, the scripture reference here is, let's go down here to... Where has it gone? Oh yeah. Ugh, my head cold is uh, kicking in. Here's me forgetting that N is after M. This is so anyway. For the from the person's offending, it says here, and it gives Jeremiah 2 verse 8 as a proof text. The priests said not, "Where is the Lord?" And they that handle law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after that do not profit. Now, the whole point in that verse is, the priests, who part of their job in the Old Testament was to teach the law. They were to be teachers of the law. And also the pastors and others, they were to know the law of God, the more responsibilities. The role you're in. If you sin in the role of a preacher, the role of an elder in a church, the role of a deacon in a church, there's far greater responsibility. Uh, The role of a minister of God in the state. Someone who is a ruler and a minister of God, they are under greater condemnation, their sins, more is expected of them. Because of the office and everything else that they're in. So if they it's not that they're treated like everybody else, because more is expected of them, and it's a more egregious sin because of the because of their office. If they be of riper age, again age, they're they're expected to know more. If you're a young person, for example, right, you've got two children in front of you and the same offense is done by both. Imagine, I don't know, one of them takes a ketchup bottle and paints the wall or something with it. As a two year old and a seven year old. They both do it. Um, the seven year old is going to be in real trouble because they really should know better. The two year old, not that they won't be in trouble, they should know, but not to the same degree. Well, this is this is common sense, really, isn't it? We don't, or we shouldn't, expect the same type of behavior from a two-year-old, or a one-year-old, or an 18-month-old, as we should expect from a seven-year-old. And the more you get older, the more that should be expected of you. Now, th- our society today doesn't expect anything from people as they grow up older. Our society today still p- treats people like children and expects nothing more from me expect nothing you'll often get nothing it would be a riper age greater experience or grace again the same kind of idea if you've been given more more is expected eminent of profession gifts place office gifts are important too If you have, you know, some people understand, maybe, for example, intellectual gifts and understand a bit more than others. Well, the person who doesn't understand as much, it's not a get out. You know, there are, in the Old Testament, talks about sins of ignorance. But at the same time, if you, the other person understands a bit more, they are under, their sins are worse than the person who doesn't really understand, who does the same thing. So, don't follow the multitude To do evil, especially if you understand the evil that you're doing. The more you understand the evil that you're doing, the worse it is. Uh, Gifts, place, office guides to others, and whose example is likely to be followed by others. So, if we have to be extremely careful that if we do something, well, think, people, before you do something, and maybe somebody around you looks up to you, you may not even realize it. You may think, nobody looks up to me, but you'd be surprised. And then, before you know it, it's like a domino effect. Churches can become like that. Well, the the pastor does it, so that must be okay. And then, before you know it, the ruling elders do it, and then before you know it, the people in the pew do it, because they're basically saying, well, it must be okay. And that sin is greatest in the person who is... Been a bad example to other people. Then, same question, question one hundred fifty one. The second point. So the first point is from the persons of offending. The second one is from the parties offended. And we think of the greatest party offended in sin is is God. That's the most serious sin against. Thee the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Psalm 51, I think it's verse 4. If immediately against it says God, his attributes and worship. Remember people, worship is important. We offer the worship that God has commanded. Not according to Nadab and Abihu or Cain who offered up, not as according to the pattern laid out by God, but according to their own desires, according to their own heart. Against Christ, it says, and, again, and his grace, the Holy Spirit, his witness and workings against superiors, men of eminency. Again, it, it's more serious to sin against a ruler than it is someone else, somebody in position, and such as we stand, especially related, engaged unto, against any of the saints, particularly weak brethren, the souls of them, or any other, the common good of all or many. So it just, so it can do, to do with how much knowledge you have in the first one, but also to the person who it's against. Is it against the person in authority? We've got to be careful. We've got to respect the authority that has comes from God. We may not like everybody who's in that authority, but at the same time, that person. Has that role been placed in there by God? Because God is sovereign over all things. Number three, the third point. So the person's offended, the second one, and then the third one, from the nature and quality of the offense. It says, question 151, If it be against express letter of the law, break many commandments contained in it, many sins, if not, only conceived in the heart, but break forth in words and actions, scandalize others, and admit of no reparation, if against means, mercies, judgments, light of nature, conviction of conscience, public or private admonition, censors of the church, let's do a church discipline, Civil punishments are prayers, purposes, promises, vows, covenants. Covenants are important. Covenants are included in this. If you sworn a covenant and you break it, it makes greater guilt upon you. And engagements of God or men. If done deliberately, willfully, presumptuously, impudently, boastingly, maliciously, frequently, Obstinately, with delight, continuance, or relapsing after repentance. Or repentance, sorry. <laughs> so with that, if you've got any of those qualities, the sin is worse. Now, it's not to say that there's one good sin and then other sins are bad. All sin is evil before God and brings on the wrath of God. But we can't get into this thing because, yes, we should be humble in the face of, you know, the LGBT movement, and we want to reach out to them for the gospel and all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and then just make out that homosexuality or all these things that deny the light of nature and other things like that are just, well, they're just like any other sins, and they're just like a child talking back to their parents or something like that. Not at all. And it's utter nonsense. I know why people do it, but it's utter nonsense. These are serious sins. We should not downplay the sin. It doesn't do anybody any favors. However, at the same time, all have sinned. None of us have an unblemished record. Number four. Again, this is all in question 151. From circumstances of time and place, if on the Lord's day, that makes it worse. That's the Sabbath day. We should keep it holy unto the Lord. You know, the things that would be sinful any day, but even more sinful on the Lord's day. Or other times of divine worship, or immediately before or after these. Or other helps to prevent or remedy such miscarriages, if in public, or in the presence of others, who are thereby likely to be provoked or defiled. So, anything to do with something that is holy. We should be. As it says, I'm just going to turn to the scriptures here, Ecclesiastes 5. If you think about worship, coming to church on the Lord's Day, we shouldn't be casual in our worship. We shouldn't be just goofing around. We should have a serious heart to know God and prepare our hearts to do so. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 1 and 2. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear, rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven, and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Verse 3 says as well, For a dream comes through much activity, and a fool's voice is known by his many words. So the place of circumstance of the sin can make it more egregious. The Sabbath day is a day to be at church, not at home. It is a grievous sin to neglect the means of grace that God has ordained be at church. If you're a member of a church, you have promised basically to follow the to follow and submit to the to the, the elders in that church and things like that. You need to be at church. You need to be the, at church morning and evening if you if you have an evening service. And if you don't have an evening service and trying to attend somewhere else that does that they have those bookends at the beginning and the end of the Sabbath day. To make it easier, if you could put it like that, to keep the Sabbath day. Our minds can wander, I find, through experience, that if we don't have an evening service, Sabbath day religion can really suffer without an evening service, or at least some form of fellowship that takes place, a worship that takes place at the end of the Sabbath day. Question 152. What doth every sin deserve at the hands of God? And we've kind of already discussed this already. Question, the answer is here. Every sin, even the least, being against the sovereignty, goodness, and holiness of God, against his righteous law, deserveth his wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. And cannot be expiated but by the blood of Christ. Nothing else. Can deal with our sin. But the death. The blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Imagine what he has done for us. Those who are in Christ Jesus. The infinite God takes upon himself the form of a servant, comes into this sin world and dies for us. Not only, he lives for us, the King of Glory, born in Bethlehem. He lives basically in a poor home, lives in a carpenter's home. So why why bring that up? Well, every moment upon this earth for him was humiliation. He's exalted today, the Lord Jesus Christ. But leaving behind the glories of heaven, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We we don't take that statement in John 1.14 and go wow as much as we ought to. We get so used to hearing it, the infinite God. The one who is pure light, pure glory, pure seeing, pure hearing, pure knowing. The one who never changes, the one without beginning and without end the second person of the triune God, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, he takes upon himself human flesh and dies the most excruciating death on a Roman cross. This man, this God, who is true God, true man, all that he suffered, You see, the God who created heaven and earth, he cannot suffer. In the confessions, they would talk about a God without passions, parts, passions in the sense of God cannot suffer. God cannot suffer loss. God lacks nothing in himself. God needs nothing from anyone else. God cannot be changed and moved and and altered by anything or any situation. Any situation that arises comes forth from his eternal decree. What it took to deal with your sin and it should make us so grateful and the more we realize it, the more we will be so thankful to spend eternity before the Lamb of God and to glorify Him forever and ever for what He has done for sinners such as you and I? Have you, have you trusted Him? Have you forsaken your sin, turned your back on sin, and with the eye of faith look toward Jesus Christ? No longer looking to your sin. No longer looking to your lusts, looking to Jesus and Him alone. Question 153. And I think, how long will this program be? Probably another, but not 20 minutes, a little bit under the hour. Question 153. What doth God require of us that we may escape His wrath and curse? Due to us by reason of the transgression of the law? Answer. That we may escape the wrath and curse of God due to us by reason of the transgression of the law, He requireth of us repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And the diligent use of Of the outward means thereby, Christ communicates to us the benefits of his mediation. So, what is required of us that we may escape his wrath and curse you you, thus by reason of the transgression of the law. So, what is required of us? Repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, faith and repentance are two sides of the one coin. If we trust in Jesus Christ, if we have saving faith in Jesus Christ, that in turn means we have turned from sin. If we're still hugging sin in our in our bosom, if we're still clinging to sin, we have not really trusted in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the King of Glory, the Lord of righteousness. He is the complete opposite of sin, and so to. To trust in him is to turn away from that sin. To love Christ is to hate sin. To rejoice in him and to cling to him means you have forsaken something else. What is opposite, what is absolutely wretched and vile, and that is sin. And when you've been born again, when your eyes have been opened, you s- you then see the ugliness of sin, you see this you, you smell the stench of sin, but you also see that Christ is wonderful. And so you flee to him. The born again soul, the one regenerated of the Spirit of God, flees to Christ and sees no hope in any other, not in himself or no other. So repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's question one hundred and fifty-one. It says in Acts two, or Acts twenty, sorry, verse twenty-one, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Gen, the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew three seven. But when He saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to his baptism. He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Verse 8, But bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. So, repentance is clearly needed. A forsaking of sin. And a turning towards Jesus Christ. That is saving faith. That is the kind of doctrine that is denied by... Uh, Sandomanians historically it's been called. um, There are some independent fundamental Baptists or new independent fundamental Baptists in in that movement that deny this and really teach something completely contrary to the Reformed faith, really contrary to the Christian religion, to be honest, um, and deny this. Repentance toward God. And faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ and the diligent use of the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of his mediation. Now, you might say, well, it's all of grace. How can anything be required of us? Well, the faith required to believe is provided by God Himself, it's a gracious gift by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we would never turn, we would still be a slave to our sin. Also, think about faith as well in terms of um, a cause of salvation. It is an instrumental cause of salvation. Imagine there's a, there's a, a sculptor and a sculpture. The sculptor is the one who makes the sculpture, but he uses an instrument, he uses a means. And the instrument Used in salvation, that's why we call it an, an instrumental cause, is faith. Faith alone. Faith alone. It is the only instrument. See, we believe, but it is an instrumental cause. It's the instrument God used in order to save us, it's all of God. And all of grace. Another way of thinking about this as well. Faith. Is not a work. In that it ceases. To labor. To try to be. To to prop itself up. the, The person prop itself up before God. The person who trusts in Jesus Christ. He rests in Jesus Christ. And his finished work. Faith is surrendering to God. Ceasing to fight against God. And rests upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Is salvation a work? Yes, but not a work of us. It is a work of Christ. His finished work at the cross his perfect righteousness, and he obeyed the law in every point, where that broken law has been kept by another, the Lord Jesus Christ. And also the breaking of the law, the penalty for law-breaking, has been taken and satisfied by Jesus Christ, the wrath of God satisfied in Jesus Christ. Question 154. What are the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of his mediation? So Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, not Mary. The Roman Catholic Church will tell you that uh, they'll try and say in one part, they'll say, well, he's still the only unique mediator. Then another paragraph later, they'll say that Mary is the mediatrix and somehow um, the saints are some kind of mediators and things like that. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man because he is true God and he is true man and he is the only one qualified for the role. The outward, it says, question 154, and the answer is, the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to his church the benefits of his mediation are all his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer all which are made effectual to the elect for their salvation. Now, it's made effectual to those chosen by God the Father. This is my own commentary now. This is what it means to be effectual. The word of God does not return void. It does whatever it sets forth to accomplish. It does not fail. It does not try to do something. It it, it does it. It accomplishes it in the same way that in God said, let there be light and there was and there was light. Who is strong enough to resist his will? No one is. So it is effectual. Now we still we still call every, all men everywhere to repent. We tell them to believe. It, they need to believe and look to Jesus Christ. but if they have believed, It is a work of God. If you have believed, it is a work of God. But how, what outward means whereby Christ communicates the benefits of his mediation. So if you want to be blessed by your king, Jesus Christ, your savior. How are the benefits of that communicated to you? Well, especially by the word, the preached word. That's really what it's talking about here. The the word, the, the sacraments and prayer, all of which are made effectual by the, the elect for their salvation. So the preached word. Come to church, hear the preaching. Prepare your heart to receive what God, not men, have to say, like like Paul said to the Thessalonians, that they would receive it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. The word preached, in such a way that it is consistent with what the scriptures say, is the word of God. The sacraments are outward means of grace. Uh, baptism and the lord's supper it is a means of grace of blessing the people of god who receive the blessings by faith prayer as well prayer is be at the prayer meeting it is so important and how many people you know say struggling It'll struggle this, that, and the other. If you're struggling in your walk, be at church more. It's not like, it's not just a silver bullet, which will obviously have to be alone with the Lord more, and things like that, but be at church more. Be at church at every opportunity you can possibly do. Now, it says here in question 155, How is the Word made effectual to salvation? The Spirit of God, it says, maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ, and of conforming them to His image and subduing them to His will. Of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace, and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. So, how is the word made effectual unto salvation? Basically, commenting on for that. But the reading, the spirit, it's the spirit and the word working together, it's very tr- Trinitarian. The Spirit and the Word. But especially the preaching of the Word. An effectual means of enlightening. So it enlightens. It it opens your eyes to things. It convinces. It, it helps you to see. Here's what you got to do. And here's good food found in Jesus Christ. And oh, this is, this is much better. And it humbles you. Makes you see that you're in need of repenting in this area. And, and driving out. Of themselves and drawing them into Christ. So it should bring you closer to Christ. Making you more like Christ. Making you more submissive to his will. Something's wrong if that is not happening in your walk. No, we are not perfect. But that is the general direction. Should be the general direction of your life. Strengthening against temptations and corruption. So. To face those corruptions. To face those temptations. Drawing you away from him. And building them up. Preaching should build up. It shouldn't just tear down and lambast. It should build up, strengthen and encourage. And establishing their hearts and holiness. And comfort. Through faith unto salvation. You know, preaching a lot of the time will do one or the other. It... it, it Cheap comfort is not very comforting. It must do all the things that are being said here. Not like, well, it'll be all alright. No, you're, you're, you're pointing out the difficulties, the temptations, the struggles. But with all that, greater is in you than he who is in the world. You're not ignoring all these things with happy talk. You're dealing with it. You're subduing. But you're also comforting with, with that healing balm that comes from Jesus Christ and him alone. Establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. I'm just wondering how far... To go with this, I do one or two one more. Okay, so question one hundred and fifty-six: Is the Word of God to be read by all? Although all are not to be permitted to read the Word publicly to the congregation, yet all sorts of people are bound to read it apart by themself by themselves, and with their families. To which end, the holy scriptures are to be translated out of the original and vulgar languages. So, um, not everyone is to be, to read publicly to the congregation, I would point out that it's, it's it generally speaking, is the role of the minister. It's not for every Tom, Dick, or Harry to be up there. Um, the the role of reading exercises authority within the church service. So really should be the minister, at least an elder of some description, somebody in authority in that church. How is the word, 157, how is the word to be read? The Holy Scriptures are to be read with a high and reverent esteem of them, with a firm persuasion that they are the very word of God, that he only can enable us to understand them with desire to know believe and obey the will of god revealed in them with diligence and attention to the matter and scope of them with meditation application self-denial and prayer so so it should be read in a way befitting to what is being read not in a casual way in a way that acknowledges that that this is the very Word of God. Question 158. By whom is the Word to be preached? The Word of God is to be preached only by such as are sufficiently gifted and also duly approved and called to that office. Now, that might surprise you. Especially... Those who are, you know, you might be part of a denomination that allows lay preachers, people who is not a full-time minister or whatever the case may be. The Westminster Standards teach that it is the role of the office of a preacher, someone called to that role of, of a preacher, that are to preach the word of God. Now, when I started preaching, when was it, nearly nine years ago, I was not, at that point, set aside. Probably started too young. But at the same time, there there is a calling aside to that office. And ordinarily, that is the ones to whom are... To be in that role of preaching the word. One of the problems is today. Anybody wants to preach is just left preach in a lot of places. There's no nobody's told no anymore in a lot of places. I'm not saying in our own denomination. I thank God for our own denomination. Um, they are they are strict about rightly strict. I don't think like they're they're overly strict about it. They're not. Um but nobody's told no anymore. Can you pay for college? Can you do all that? And that's it. So, and when you have that, generally speaking, you get all the wrong people in it. And in turn, because you get the wrong people in the pulpit, can also discourage those people who should be thinking about the ministry. Because they may be discouraged or whatever the case may be. You end up with the the loudest, most brash people in the ministry. And that's not good. You're going to get certain people of a certain personality. And really you should be a group of elders outside your church as well, etc., who basically saying, no, no, this person we believe has the relevant skills, then go get trained, that you've gone through a certain level of training, you've reached a certain level of proficiency, etc., and so on. And this person we have deemed to be adequately required, or qualified in order to preach the gospel, to be a minister of the gospel. Now, just read a few here. The, the scripture verses here are given. Um, sufficiently gifted, you can look to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Bishop then must be blameless, husband and one wife. Talks about a number of the um, qualifications there of the role. So that's First Timothy chapter 3, especially the first few verses of it. Hosea uh, 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will forget thy children. That's all to do with, again, sufficiently qualified. Again, uh, Malachi 2.7, for the, the priest's lips shall keep knowledge. Second Corinthians 3.6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Again, able ministers. There's a certain standard required of men who are to go into the ministry. It's not just because you want to do it. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. So, who hath made us. It's the Spirit who makes us able ministers, not ourselves not ourselves. Uh, the, the ministry is just too hard. Anybody, Anyone who goes into the ministry is not called by the, by the Spirit of God and equipped by the Spirit of God will crumble and be a an hireling. Somebody who does it for the the money. You can't do the role without being duly set aside by the Spirit of God. It is just... It's not possible, I don't believe It is not possible. Jeremiah 14, 15, Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets, a prophesy in my name, and I I sent them not. And you'll see that a lot in Jeremiah. Of people not being sent. That was the main reason. Well, he said he was against them. I sent them not. Hebrews 5, 4, And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. That's referring to the priesthood, yes. But these rules are not taken unto by ourselves. It is God who sets aside. As it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, And God hath set some in the church first apostles. God hath set. It's God's decision. It's God's calling. And how do you know you're called to the ministry? You pray about it for a long time. But, like a lot of things you pray about, you just know after a lot of prayer, and you're convinced, and you're, you're very clear in your mind that, that God wants you to do this. And if you don't do this, it, you're sinning against God. You got to come to that conviction. I didn't want to go into the ministry. But I got to the point where I realized I would not have a moment's peace unless I submitted to God and went into the ministry. All too often, I fear, many people go into the ministry they, because they like the sound of their own voice. That's a dangerous thing. Years ago, I mean, I started a podcast before this, and that's all I was going to do, just podcast, and that's it. Um really it'll only if god wants you there you can deal with anything because as jesus said to these disciples at the end of matthew 28 "i'm with you even to the end of the age even to the end of the world" amen and that's all it's the only reason you can do this stuff it's the only reason you can pray, it's the only way you can deal with the attacks of the enemy and etc and so on because god is on he's with you he is with you Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. We have lost that largely in much of the modern church. The dependency and the need to be set aside by God for the ministry. We treat it just like any other job. And it's a disgusting affront when we do that. When we teach, when we deal with the ministry of the word in such a way that it's like well, you know, I tried it for a summer and it was fun, and, um, you know, sometimes people will go into the ministry because they quite prefer to study and read books rather than do another job. Just because you study and read books does not mean you're necessarily called into the ministry, so it's a serious thing. Talk to people about it, if you're thinking about it. You must be one of the qualifications in First Timothy chapter 3, by the way, you must be a man you must be a a gifted man in that area you must be able to teach if you you know you could want it all you want but if if there's glaring red flags there that nobody understands what you're saying nobody understands what you're teaching um and that that does not mean you have to get up in a pulpit but just, you know, sometimes you know, people can know if somebody's very good at explaining something to someone else. Uh, and look, we're, none of us are going to be perfect at the beginning. We learn, we get better as time goes on. You're not to be the finished product before you've gone into training or anything like that. But people, especially those in leadership, if you're called in the ministry, people will notice gifting in you. Or at least they should. Question 159, last question I think we'll be looking at. Um, trying to think where is a good place to to stop I think that's a good place to stop because I'll be only rushing through this and I'm gone over time as it is and uh, thank you all for listening in if we are going to be back we will be back four weeks time five weeks time something like that at the end of September and if I'm not back in, la- in the last week of September um it might be a lot later than that. Check out the, the Facebook page. We get a radio. We get a radio at gmail.com if you got any, any questions. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for uh, your continued prayers, those praying for the program. Please pray for a call for myself, and uh, that, that will be sorted in the near future. It's been Paul Flynn, and may God bless you all.